If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated, elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, I'm stoked actually to have someone in the studio, finally. We've been doing Zoom calls for so long. India Morris from the Northern Rivers. Hi India, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for driving over. Oh, thanks for having me. Bearing your soul to all of the How I Quit Alcohol community. Yeah, I'd love to just hear. So you're a youth worker. I am, yeah. And um, so working with adolescents. At the moment, actually working with all ages from sort of five years old up to 18. That kind of age group. Is that for mental health stuff or...? Including mental health stuff, anything well-being related. For, yeah, It's the nature of my job. I work with families and, and young people and, and that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow, that must be pretty challenging and hard, is it? Like, is uh, it, it can be, yeah. confronting? Yeah, I mean, youth work's what I've been doing for a really long time. So, I, you know, it's something that I really enjoy and am passionate about. But yes, mm. it's challenging for sure. Yeah, I yeah. bet you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, good yeah. on you. So talk to us about your relationship with alcohol. When did you start drinking? When did you get started? I started incredibly early. Yeah. I, I grew up in a community where all of the, the teenagers and young people were drinking. And so I started around, well, probably, probably around 12 Wow. Yeah. That's not bad. I did have someone last week who, or a few weeks ago that started at eight. Wow. I yeah. started at 13. So, but 12 is pretty epic. Actually, yeah, yeah, a lot of people on this And that's when I started early. regularly. I don't, that wasn't my first, yeah, experience wow. with alcohol, but I think. When was your first? Yeah, probably around nine. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And what was that? Just. 
just stealing some alcohol off my parents, you know, with the friends, sneak out and, and get silly. Yeah. Wow. I, I remember being on a camp once really young and we stole the, the cask wine and... Wow. Yeah. At nine or? At nine, yeah. Oh, at around right. that age, yeah. That's so naughty. I know. We're, we're bad. That's what Nimbin kids do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was at that time, mm. uh, you know. Yeah, it was definitely just a fairly standard yeah. thing. Wow. What were the parents doing while you were, like, did they know or did they? Oh, at that, in that instance, no, I don't think so. And they were there around and we were just sneaky. Everyone was on a camp. We're all a bit relaxed, you know. I don't, yeah. it wasn't that they were not supervising. We were just sneaky. Just sneaking it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So when you um, started drinking regularly at 13, yeah. tell me about that. Was that just because the friends were as well? Kind of, yeah. It was the social scene and... Um, and I I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Like that's the reason that I did it. I would I'd steal some money or gather pocket money, we'd put it all together, we'd find someone who would buy us alcohol, which was quite easy in our community. That's a, that's you can something buy anything that, at Nimbin, mate. That's something <laughs> in hindsight that I find really challenging that these these adult people, usually men would be buying us at, at twelve that's alarming. Bottles of spirits and things like that. So oh, and we'd know. we'd separate it into our bottles of Coke and Jesus. I, I digress for a minute. I remember the first time we went to Nimbin, Ash was playing a show there, oh, it was probably 15 years ago or something, and I was just like, as soon as we got there, I think like a 13-year-old came to try and sell us um, pot, like hash cookies. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, you should be at home, like <laughs> watching The Simpsons or something. Anyway, I digress. So, yeah, so just getting older people in the community to buy you alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. loved it. I, I did at the time, and I think, I mean, I think a lot of it was escapism. There was probably a lot going on, you know, as there is for a lot of people, and that was a place I could escape and get really silly, laugh a lot, be around my friends, and it just felt good in those early stages, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, and so then what happened with it as you got older? Did that gradually increase? It did. Um, the amount that I drank increased, but it, it stayed, I guess the pattern stayed the same. I could go for quite, um, you know, a few weeks without drinking anything. I was never an all everyday drinker. Yep. So I would do it on the weekends and I would do it to party. I'd do it to get silly. I'd do it to be social and the escapism. But yeah, the quantity changed and the, I, the, um, the effect changed. Yeah. As I got older, as I'd done it more and more, I guess my body wasn't responding to it the same way. So instead of getting light and silly I could get quite yeah I don't know maudulent and or mm. or just lose memory and it wasn't the same thing it wasn't fun yeah. but I convinced myself it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, how long do we do that for I mean oh my god you could do that for decades so, absolutely I, I'm I'm 44 now I think I stopped about eight years ago so wow that's that's a long time to be doing that it was yeah and it was how I knew it was what you did yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So did you get to a point where it felt out of control or that you felt out of control oh, even absolutely. on the binges? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I sort of became someone I once once it got set in, I wouldn't stop. So I would as soon as I'd had that first drink, I was drinking for the whole night. I used to get quite anxious about making sure there was enough alcohol so that when the bottle shops closed there would be some left and I wouldn't stop until yeah. I was passed out basically. Until it was all gone. That was the way mm. I drank. And I can only assume if I went back now, it would be the same. There was something about it. I would just be set in that mode. So, yeah, I got, I, yeah, 
definitely got so out of it. There's a lot of stuff I don't remember. There's stuff I do remember that I don't want to remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was way outside of who I was, outside of my integrity, outside of everything. Yeah. I know. Yeah. When you're waking up feeling out of alignment with your values and like, who oh, am all I? All the time. And, you know, yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why can't I stop being stopped? And strangely, not connecting that to the to kind of thing. Maybe if I just didn't drink the alcohol, I wouldn't feel like this. Somehow oh. that <laughs> that really oh, logic step wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. And it just takes so – even if we do and we still, though, we blame ourselves. We're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to learn to be stronger or, you know, you know, or I can't be – why aren't I strong enough? Yeah. But we're never just going, it's actually this fucking shit thing. It's a drug. It's a drug. Exactly. <laughs> Changing your brain. Yeah. Exactly. Last week I had a young person on – she was 31 – young woman from down the Geelong area. And she was saying that if you burn your hair with a hair straight, if you burn your ear, sorry, with a hair straightener, you learn to keep the hair straightener away from your ear and any anything else that causes her physical harm or makes her sick, she you automatically stay away from. But with alcohol, you just keep going back for more and more and you don't keep it away like you do yeah. the hair straightener. I thought that was such a good analogy. That's great. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. So how were you waking up feeling about yourself at that day? point? Yeah. Oh, awful. Yeah. Awful. And and like you say I didn't really in my mind I didn't go oh, I'm drinking all of this alcohol and so you know and the alcohol is creating this problem. It was kind of like I am such a failure of a person. Yeah. That that I'm waking up feeling like this after I drink. Not I should yep. stop drinking and then it won't happen. Which yes, is I yeah, know. Yeah. It's, that's the big thing. And I spent years, I wasted years in that cycle, which is yeah. When did it come together for you? When did you realise actually no, it's the alcohol? Um, it happened progressively, I think. I was really fortunate. My father quit drinking when I was about twelve. So I had actually witnessed it um, a successful, a person successfully giving up alcohol and living a happy life. And I think that that, that is a privilege that not everyone gets and that it's much easier to choose something that you've seen. Um, so I'd sort yeah. of tried, I remember trying to quit once at 19. It didn't really work. I'd go into a black space and then I kind of tried again later. So it happened sort of progressively, but by the end I was just, I wasn't even, I'd have a few drinks and the, the rest of the night would be a blur. Mm. I was doing things that I hated. I didn't like myself. The whole thing was awful. What would you do that you hated? I'm trying to think. I, I think I've blocked it out a little bit. I just, I, you know, tell people things that I didn't want to tell them. Um, <laughs> pass on other people's secrets. Sleep with people I didn't want to sleep yeah, with. You know, all, all of the things. And just get so completely messy. And I think that that was the bit that I hated, that I couldn't talk properly, that I'd be passing out on friends' floors and vomiting and yeah. those things. No one wants that friend around. And yet yeah. they didn't want me to stop drinking alcohol either some, for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yes. That, I remember my best friend, Lisa, uh, she, she was, she's actually the one that suggested to me to take 12 months off in the first place because she was doing it. And actually she didn't suggest to me. She said she was doing it. I said, I mean, I'm doing it as well. And, um, but she, she's a pretty good drinker, like she, if there's such a term, like she can have a few and have a cup of tea and go to bed. And sometimes she gets a bit loose, but mostly she's pretty in control. And, you know, I'd go to her place and buy all this wine or whatever. And inevitably I'd make some kind of dick out of myself or be a bit of a bitch or make a, you know, a snarky comment here or there. And she'd go the next morning, 
I'm fucking out. What's wrong with you? You know, why can't you just like, rela- why do you have to drink so much for? Or she'd really get into me a bit. But then when we quit and then she actually started again a few months later, but after the year was up, she goes, all right, well, that'll do now. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do. Like, Hang on, you started this. Um, yeah. But I don't think I was always totally painful, but yeah, I know no, that feeling. No, I think you're right. And that's, I've been told that I'm quite fun and smart when I'm drinking and that's probably true too. And in my memory, I remember all of the horror and the, yeah. of course there's another side to it otherwise we wouldn't do it I think yeah. but but the attachment to it goes beyond that whether you're whether you are enjoyable to be around or not I realized and I realized that particularly I had an idea that when I quit drinking that there would be people who found it difficult but I assumed that they would be the people who drank a lot who I drank a lot with and that wasn't necessarily the case mm. it so was people who had an attachment to the dynamic of our relationship and sometimes they were people who didn't drink much but they were the together one within our Mm. friendship or they were the helper or something like that Mm. and something about their value diminished when I was together oh my god that's really interesting I found that really interesting and it was a bit of a shock and something that I found really hard wow yeah is that Wow, that is so interesting and no one has ever actually ever made that point on this podcast so do you think it's because it makes them feel a bit more together to see you a bit more diminished? or I think that's one version of it. Mm. But somehow alcohol sets up all kinds of dynamics. And when dynamics mm. of relationships are shifted, some people will find it more challenging than others. And it's not necessarily who you think. My husband articulate. I, I used to, was married and um, we separated and were divorced fairly soon after I quit drinking. And he was not a big drinker mm. at all. And when I quit, he suddenly started drinking a lot and, and doing it in the house and doing it around us. And he'd wanted me to quit for a long time. And he articulated to me that he found it difficult, that I was coming up with all the answers myself, that I was, that I was the strong one suddenly and that he didn't feel useful. Oh, my God. And that role of being maybe the rescuer or the helper. Yes. And I really respected him for being able to tell me that. Um, yeah, good on him. And I don't think that he necessarily sees me quitting alcohol as a big part of why we separated, but I do, and I think that's why. Yeah. Wow, that that's that's really um, interesting. I found it interesting. Yeah. yeah, I found it really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I had a friend years ago. She, I remember, she was a really big girl, really big, and her partner used to sort of hang shit on her about being really big. And then when she'd go on a diet or try and lose weight, he'd buy her like twisties and Kit Kats and it was the most weirdest thing. And they broke up eventually. That was just odd. I thought, wow, that's funny because he wants, I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. He needs to be in that position. He needs to be. And it wasn't like that with my husband. He was a good guy. He, you know, and, and he, I just think he found his value in being the supportive person who, picked me up at the end who was the rock who was the strong one and when that changed he didn't know where he stood and sometimes that can um i guess it's a codependence in a way that they um that there's the codependency there that sometimes i think it's a bit to do with self-esteem without going into the psychology of your ex-husband but sometimes because i've seen this in other relationships where when that that dynamic shifts because often that person that's in that role of being the rescuer they get their self-esteem from that and often it's people with low self-esteem that end up in that role of being the rescuer yeah so yeah, yeah. you know and you can understand for them why it creates yeah, a bit of- absolutely and probably surprising for them too and and i saw that play out mm. in a lot of it wasn't that solely that relationship mm. there was a lot of friendships and things like that that fell apart and i expected that to happen but yeah just I didn't expect which ones and yeah so the friends that were big drinkers how did your relationship they tended 
some of them just disappeared but tended to be more supportive because I think they understood that desire to get away from it and they had a lot more respect for Mm. those reasons. Wow. And did any of them end up quitting after you? Um, Some, not very many, no. And I spent some years being very isolated, but I um, and I uh, my experience in the past was that that was what brought me back to alcohol. And I've seen a lot of people and heard a lot of people sort of with that share that experience. Mm, so mm. It, it's that that feeling of being alone because we live in a culture mm. that not only supports it but is almost um, resentful or wary of anyone who isn't engaging in it. Yeah, because it's so normalised. It's, it's so, so normalised yeah. and it's almost a threat if you're not there. And, and, and if someone's going to – I find this message a lot, which is I don't mind you not drinking, but you can't talk about it and you have to come and be involved in the drinking. You know, you have to be at the party, you have to watch us all drinking and you have to pretend, <laughs> you know, just have it, pretend that you're drinking, have a soft drink. And, you know, it's like <laughs> what if I just don't want to do any of it? Yeah. Um, but I was really lucky. I fell into, I fell into white water kayaking and that sort of gave me a scene and a group of people and an activity that sort of allowed me to not think you know to be but it but I did have to separate from my friends and that was sad Mm. it's really that's awesome too to find something else to you know 100% I think that saved me yeah yeah often too that will I'll say that to people who are listening that if you're going to quit and you really have to fill the void but get into something that's I think that's the perfect thing something that involves nature yeah Maybe something if you're a bit of an adrenaline person. The adrenaline helps yeah. because that is a high. It'll yeah. actually release the, those, the dopamine and all that kind of stuff that you need mm. to feel that's missing when that alcohol goes away. Yeah. 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 Um, I often fantasize about becoming a surfer, which I'm just, she's still a fantasy, that girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do more kind of like not adrenaline things, but um, I want to. And I also fantasize about skydiving, but um, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. But um, maybe one day. But yeah, I, absolutely. So that replacement is really, really important. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Go surfing. Yeah. I know I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> absolutely. Um, one of my neighbors, she lives around the corner. We've, we both said, right, we're signing up because another podcast guest, she was doing it up at Corumban, uh, not Corumban, uh, up that way, Hastings Point. There's a group of women. And yep. they're women trainers, they're female trainers. It's all fem- all women. So I thought, yes, I'm in. But then COVID happened. Oh, shame. oh that is a shame. It's <laughs> like, oh, I have to wait. But no, I, I should and so, I will because I want to set an example for my daughters as well, yeah. you know, just to say, you know, mum can do, you know, have a try at different things and, you know, push the boundaries. So things fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm doing some um, study on – it's um, health science mm-hmm. and um, exercise and sports science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's actually related to wanting to do um, my interest in adventure therapy for trauma for young people. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I find it really interesting. And I wanted that underpinning of science. And surfing was recently raised um, in one of my units as being one of the best physical activities for mental health because it's really? something that people sustain their whole lives and want to they, it's unlike going to the gym where it sort of has a bit of a shelf life or they do it because they want to get fit it has something where it actually propels people to do it and over their whole life it's sort of a bit of a standalone like that so it's, yeah, yeah it's really like ash is a crazy mad crazy surfer to the point where we're going to Tentfield on the weekend and he's antsy about leaving the coast for two days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> yeah, because it's addictive. Yeah. It's got that really... He's yeah. really addicted to it. Uh, he always has been. Um, but for him, he needs it for his mental health. Like, yeah. if he doesn't yeah. surf, 
it's he's not a moody type of guy anyway but i can just see he's just not happy like he yeah. needs to be out there and in it and in that flow state i can really really relate to that and there's so much yeah there's so much under there i could talk about that's a whole other podcast so. <laughs> you should go on ash's podcast and talk yeah, about okay. that <laughs> um or yeah so that's awesome so you've kind of what happened you woke up one morning and just went that's it 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 would have seemed like that to people around me but I think I was building to it for a long time um and it did it did happen like that my I I smoked cigarettes as well and I quit them both at the same time wow wow and I had a really bad hangover one day I was really sick and I smoked a cigarette and it made me sick and I could see that I was just miserable and I didn't want to cook dinner my husband walked in and I said, if you cook dinner right now, I will quit this forever. Oh. And he could see in my eyes that I was serious and he believed me and he went, yeah, okay, cool, deal. And I did in that moment. Oh, my God. Obviously, that's not really how it happened. Like there, I had been going over and over wanting to get out of this loop for a long time and that was just the moment yeah. that I chose. Yeah. Oh, my God, wow. <laughs> so what happened the next day when you've woken up after that and – well, when you start to get that amnesia of forgetting the hangover. I felt elated, actually. There was something about it that was the right time and I knew and I just could tell that I really wanted to be free and I didn't want to go back to it and I wanted to make it stick. And and so I felt high, I went walking and I just went, yeah, this is this has got to be the moment. And... Yeah, and I think it helped that in that moment the person that I said it to believed me. I don't know what it was. I didn't get any kickback for it in that in that moment of decision making. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so amazing. Just like that moment of freedom, really. The, yeah, the absolutely. Hit. And I think I I rode that through the those first parts of withdrawal and yeah and yeah. So how was that for you that the first few weeks? Because I always find that's the tough. That's pretty tough. It is tough. It's t- but uh, yeah, see, for me, it works differently. I, I feel like I can put, I sort of, I can steel myself against something for a short amount of time and mm. I can go, I can go through really quite difficult things. It's when it drags out that I find it difficult. Mm. I know that for me. So at the same time I gave up cigarettes, I couldn't use replacement therapies because that would drag out the withdrawals, even though it made it less, it would make it longer. And I'd be, I'd much rather something harder that was fast and yep. I got over. Yeah. Punchy. Yeah. So the danger periods for me was not in that first part. That was kind of a high and I was doing something and I could get on with it. Yeah. But um, it was when when the time would go on and everybody was going to the party and I wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't novel anymore and yeah. I was just having to live my life. That's when I find the struggle hits in. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for, I remember that for me, even being like, in probably two weeks in, I'm just going, oh, fuck, what have I done? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> why did I fucking tell everyone I'm going to do this? Uh, when was that for you, that moment? How long did that take to that kind of the high of quitting wore off? Wore off. It was probably about a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I could go for weeks without drinking. So mm. that – Classic something, Yeah. And, and then I would just – I was bored, I think. I was bored and I felt lonely and I – my friends were sort of going, I'll stop being silly and I was, you know, just restless and everything. That's when I think it really started to affect me. And I I actually – I had a very fortunate conversation with somebody who talked to me about neuropathways. And um, I'm a bit of a nerd. I love sciencey stuff. 
and she she was talking about stress actually and she was sort of saying if you're someone who's who experiences stress and you find it hard to relax if you stay consciously aware of if you're able to catch the moment of relaxation as it's happening and mentally consciously note it you'll Mm. strengthen that neural pathway and the more times you do that the stronger that will get and so your brain will much more easily move from one to the other many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And I found that fascinating and I kind of ran with that a little bit in my own head. Mm. And so I sort of, I, I hit that point and I'd tried to give up before and I knew that that's when I went back to it. So I mm. gathered a whole heap of um, uh, the uh, positive benefits of giving up alcohol timeline so you can get off the internet. Mm-hmm. And I started playing a game with myself so every time I woke up feeling fresh every time I could afford something every time I had more energy at the gym every time anything like that I noticed I would make sure I mentally noted it and would say so you know oh, I feel so good today because I've given up alcohol yeah right so, so relating all to because I quit alcohol yes and I would make sure I did that very consciously and it really worked I think that was the game changer because it not only I think it really did Mm. Uh, train my brain to see giving up alcohol as a rewarding thing and I just would automatically get excited then but it also it was weighing the cost with the benefits all the time which gives a very different picture so I wasn't just waiting for the darkness to end amazing that's absolutely brilliant yes it really worked yeah. yeah and I use that a lot now for anything difficult that I'm trying to do because it worked so well in that space I am. That's absolutely brilliant, and that's a different spin again. I'm always, um, always banging on about you know, don't see it as something that you're giving up, seeing something that you're giving yourself. But this is taking that an extra step further by actually really noting it. So you do probably get that little dopamine dump too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reassociate. That's actually really brilliant. And that was the idea was that I wanted to train my brain to actually light up instead of instead of having that reward center light up around alcohol, around not uh, the sobriety. I wanted that reward center to be trained to go, oh, sobriety, how exciting. Oh, my God, that is so brilliant. So everyone listening and those of you that are already on your path, give that a go for the next little while. So make note of when you're feeling good or when you're feeling relaxed because you quit alcohol. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even if I'd buy a pair of jeans, I'd be like, this is so good, I can afford these because I've quit alcohol. Everything. Yeah, everything. Every little thing that might have been, yeah, every time I felt a bit more confident, it's like, yeah, because I've cleaned alcohol. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I slept so well last night because I cleaned yeah. alcohol. 
Oh, that's so good. It, it really worked for me, yeah. I'm going to use that for my next challenge group. Yeah, I think they're going to love that. That's Excellent. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and reading those, I found reading those timelines really good too. So I was like, oh, yeah, my body, yeah, my, my liver's getting better. That's actually reversible. These things, it was the same thing. This is more positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't all a box of fluffies. There were dark times. But, yeah. but I think that that balanced it enough to, yeah, to really get me over it. And yeah. a lot of it did feel quite exciting. That's a really cool thing. And so when you get to that crossroads where so many of so we all get there where we go, right, and then the little sneaky bitch comes in and go on, just have one. You've been up yeah, for yeah, a month yeah. now. And you're on that crossroads and so you can, yeah, go the other way and then start even like driving it home then, like really start absolutely. to focus and start yeah. to link the two up in your brain. That's absolutely genius. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that little gem there. And um, so I guess in that case it made the journey fairly just rewarding. It was largely, yeah. yeah. What, what did you find tough? Um, isolation is the biggest one for me. I, you know, losing those friendships and also even the friendships that sustained, there was a a distance because it's just so commonplace for everyone to get together around alcohol and then they have this shared experience and then they wake up the next morning and they're all laughing about all the silly things that they did. And then, then they go to the beach. So you kind of don't end up getting invited even to the beach thing because you weren't at the alcohol thing last night and there's this distance and... I felt that a lot. That was probably going to be, if anything was going to trip me up, it would have been that. How did you navigate your way through that? Um, well, like I mentioned earlier, I, I sort of fell accidentally into this water paddling thing. Someone sent me, I'd expressed interest in wanting to learn it. Mm-hmm. Someone sent me an email and I ended up in this crazy situation where I was at an embroider with a whole heap of strangers doing a rescue course in some rapids. with, oh, wow. And <laughs> then I went and did training in whitewater paddling and it was completely outside of my world the people were not people that I knew and it just it kind of gave me a space to disappear to where I where being on my own was actually a really good thing because I had all these connections but they weren't um they didn't necessarily grow into the kind of everyday connections that I have with my friends but it was it was connected and it was outside my world and it allowed me to feel a part of something again and then I found once I'd established myself as a non-drinker and I was doing all of these other things and people could see that, then they started coming back more comfortably. Wow, that's really They, they cool. stopped feeling threatened by this change in me and started kind of going, yeah, let's go camping. I want to come, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, that's really good. Did that take long for that to happen? Yes. I reckon that was a year. Yeah, wow. Okay, mm. cool. Yeah. But I guess the takeaway from that is if there is a, maybe a, an inkling of something that you're wanting to explore, then now's a good time to start oh, it. Oh, 100%. Mm. And, and in terms of re- reinforcing those neural pathways, like I would never have been able to do that when I was drinking. I just mm. wouldn't have been able to. I wouldn't have, you know, even in the times that I wasn't drinking, I did not have the clarity and physical wellness going on in me to be able to handle what was required for that. Because it's pretty intense, isn't it? It's intense, yeah, yeah. and it's physically draining, but I had the energy and I had the strength because I'd given up alcohol. And so that that was to me, yeah, that that in in terms of talking about 
before sort of making sure that I noted those rewards. That was the big one in that. Mm. It was like this just wouldn't have happened. And my career changed because I had that focus. And mm. so I sort of got these real much bigger rewards going on as it went on. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's funny too because I've never – like I've thought about sobriety and what that means to me and what that's given me, but really pinpointing, wow, this is because of that, you know, da-da-da-da. I think, yeah amazing that's genius it allows me to in those moments where i kind of go oh geez it'd be nice just to have a few drinks and get silly and hang in with everyone to go having an awareness of those what what i've gained has a bigger awareness of what it would cost for me to go back to yeah do you ever get because it's eight years is a long time do you ever feel the cravings come up yes every now and then yeah and it's interesting how they come up Mm. i don't I don't – when I think about wanting to have alcohol, I don't think, oh, gee, I'd love to have a nice drink with my friends on a sunny afternoon. I think I want to be trash bag in the pub with some cigarettes, day drinking with, you know. Yeah. Which is interesting to me because it's saying to me, I don't actually want alcohol. I want to drop the ball. I want mm. to drop my bundle and go and let go of being together. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. How do you navigate that one? I know how to ride through it now. I know that it doesn't last long. I know that I, I don't want to, that it's yeah. a, that I'm lying to myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and I also know it's because I want to drop the ball. So sometimes I can do that in a different way. I can just go and. Mm. I know that feeling too of sometimes just wanting to just get loose, like just be, you know, not be so yeah. together, you know. Yeah. I don't um, want to be disciplined. I don't want to hold it together. I don't want to be, yeah. yeah. I want to be just able to kind of go. It's like throwing a little tantrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. It's the same thing. You just got to weigh it up and just go, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I understand that though. And I'm sure everyone can that that was listening can probably relate to that yeah. as well. So if you were to comparing the difference with life now as to how it was or if you had have kept going? Oh, I just, I can't even, I can't, I can't articulate how much better life is. I can't. It's, um, I, if I had have kept going, I don't know, geez, I don't know where I'd be. I would be one of those day drinkers in the back of the pub with a ciggy with the, I don't know, it wouldn't be good. Oh, one of the things that really surprised me when I stopped is how much of your life is centred around alcohol without realising it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just the times that you're drinking and that hangover, which I thought. It's everything. All of your friends are, you know, by I – I don't even know how to explain it. You start to just go, wow, so much of my time goes into organising drinking, recovering from drinking, mm-hmm. spending money on drinking, friendships that are centred around drinking and yep. – you, you're not even aware of it and to be free from that sort of opens the world up this is a huge thing to me there's so many experiences that aren't drinking that we don't even think about engaging in because it's so easy to just go drinking that it's yeah suddenly there's so much more to do life is so much more fun the confidence that I thought I was buying with alcohol I was actually diminishing and I'm so much more confident my social life is better my work is better my my sex drive's better. Everything's better, you know. Like, better. Yeah, yeah, it's so – it's fun. in a way, also, like, drinking's kind of the ultimate cop-out as well. Yeah. It's the ultimate cop-out of life. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's so easy. You just go find fun in a bottle. You don't have to think about anything. It's like, you don't yeah. Think you, you don't have to improve. You don't have to expand as a person. No. Nah. I'm talking about when it's a problem. Obviously not for people that 
have a glass here or there. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Why you don't even have to develop anyway. relationships. Go get drunk and you've got instant connection. Yeah, it's like, yeah. but it's not real. It's Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it is the ultimate cop-out. So, you know, you said earlier you were drinking for that escapism. Yeah. Obviously, we, we carry patterns through, you know, from childhood into our adulthood. How did you deal with when you needed to escape your own mind? Yeah, that was... Is that still a thing? That is still a thing. And I, I actually, um, as a teenager, developed PTSD and I didn't realise that what it was. And that, oh, that's wow. what it was. I had quite a scary incident that happened amongst other things and, yeah, it changed my brain. But um, when I stopped drinking alcohol, that came back. So I hadn't realised. That's one of the things that I didn't realise. What, is that PTSD I was, came yes. back? So oh, I, was, um, wow. I was actually managing PTSD with alcohol without even knowing it. Oh, wow. So... And I had to learn to manage PTSD, which um, and a part of the the kayaking and adventure stuff, I've sort of gone into a quite a in depth investigation into that, and want to design programs with. That's why you want to do the trauma. I want to design adventure therapy programs for trauma because I've recognised mm. that that adrenaline stuff, as well as nature based therapies, are are one of the most effective trauma. Yeah. What do you call it? Um, yeah, they're the best for trauma anyway. <laughs> wow, that's absolutely brilliant. Yes. And that's how I've – that along with my own study and um, has sort of allowed me to, to understand my mind and what's going on and to change it. Part of um, being able to change yourself is learning. Like the learning is so important. Yeah, learning knowing how the mind what it works is. and reading yeah. more books on how the mind works. It's pretty incredible. It's amazing. How was the PTSD manifesting itself in you after you'd stopped drinking? I became fearful at night. I was getting flashbacks. I was in, you know, stuck in high anxiety states wow. and couldn't come down from it. And um, and it was when I went and got really terrified on the water that I would come back and be calm and I'd be myself and I'd be – and that's – so I started reading about it. And this is stuff that's actually being used um, for – Vietnam veterans and things like that for mm. their PTSD. It's a very effective method where um, those fight, flight or sympathetic nervous responses are reset mm. when you wow. in those spaces. And like I said, that's a whole other podcast. But um, <laughs> mm. I'll have to get you back because that's fascinating. It is fascinating and I find it really interesting. And so when those things, were, those symptoms were manifesting when you were having the anxiety at night, how – like that would have been really tempting just to go, fuck it, I'm just going to drink. Absolutely, because you can, yeah, you can switch it off. What did you do? Did you just go back to that weighing up the weighing, well, like how did you get through that? Yeah, but I also realised that I'd been maintaining the PTSD through switching it off with alcohol. A little bit like those relationships that you can, yes, you can get instant relief for your loneliness, but the relationship isn't real. You can get instant relief from your PTSD, but you're not fixing it. It's it's a band-aid and you can shut it out, but it's actually on some level really feeding it too. So by keeping yeah. it Yeah, and I um I suppose I, I could see that somehow. I could see that the darkness was being maintained by shutting it out. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, we're not dealing with it. Yeah, and I yeah. suppose I just felt I felt quite ready to sort of process mm. that. And it was difficult, definitely. Did you get a ther- did you see therapy like a therapist? I did. I did. Um, and the first time I did that, it was an absolute disaster. But oh, I've why? since. <laughs> um, ah, this is a this is an interesting. 
Oh, look, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> we all want to know now. Yeah. I, I went to see a drug and alcohol counsellor. And um, I was seeing him very regularly. He was one of the only people that I was talking to at that point because I'd uh, this was pre the the kayaking, and I'd sort of um, yeah, I was seeing him very regularly. My friendships had slowed down, so he was my one point of contact. You and I agree, I did. He actually, <laughs> <laughs> you fucked your counsellor. Yeah, <laughs> but it was nice. more interesting than that. He um, he'd actually he actually created a. A fictitious reality for me. He'd he'd uh, he was quite quite a clever and he yeah he. I didn't realize I was supposed to have five sessions with him in a year. I was seeing him every week. He had um, he had a partner. He told me that they'd separated. He actually staged a separation. Came into town with packed bags and told me he'd moved out. He um, told me that he'd fallen madly in love with me that and it took him a long time to talk me into this thing and he created an entire fictitious oh my God. reality <laughs> jeez you got more than you bargained for i sure did and i was in a very 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 Vulnerable fragile state, state. i'd given up cigarettes i'd drink given up alcohol i'd left my marriage i was um not seeing my friends he was the only my only contact and my only support and he knew absolutely everything about me. I'd told him the rawest details of my life and he used them to create a situation and then Wow. It was quite that was traumatic in itself. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That's quite the controversy. I was yeah, it was hectic and that definitely I came mm. out of that more traumatized than I went in. You went in, yeah. But I have since after that I realised I still had to see someone, which was really challenging. So I actually yeah. booked five different appointments with five different therapists. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find like the fattest, oldest, ugliest? No. <laughs> Surprisingly I'm like, right, I can see a woman and they're gonna be older and they're gonna be I ended up with a man of my age, but I could tell just by the conversation he was someone that and which was actually really good because it healed that space in a way. Good, I, yeah. I was able to kind of go, No, there's good people in the world, there's people I can trust who are not gonna cross those boundaries, who are not going to Wow treat a person that way and that yeah. was yeah that was that was a terrible experience but yeah jeez that's so full-on i know um we could do a whole podcast on that yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks for sharing be wary that. of predatory people while you're vulnerable yeah. yeah absolutely it's a really good thing to note though that when you do stop drinking and when especially if it's been a band-aid sometimes we don't even realize that it's been a band-aid for a lot of trauma oh, and things yeah. that have gone on previously so when that's ripped off we can become really vulnerable. And sometimes people, I think if they're not feeling really, you know, some people start to feel really bad when mm-hmm. they've quit and stuff's coming up for them and it's quite scary. Absolutely. So I would say, you know, just to stick with it, maybe definitely go and see a therapist. Get a recommendation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But that can happen. So it's good to be aware that, and also, you know, because some people will be like, why don't I feel good? Why aren't I feeling good? Yeah. Why does everyone else feel great? I see on Instagram you know, everyone feels amazing um, and I'm not. So, yeah, I think that's the thing. I, oh, absolutely. And I think that actually most of the time where there's some compulsive problem behaviours, there's um, it, it's for a reason. I think so too. I think with everything. We, every, yeah. Every we very rarely up. just go in and start having a behaviour that goes out of control unless there's a reason for it. And so there's going to be a vulnerability under there. You're going to feel raw. Yeah. Um, but that can be a beautiful thing if it's managed in the right way. And yes, I would not 
you know, my psychologist, I, I lean on heavily and it's fantastic. I see him regularly and that, yeah. that takes it through and, and to have that person that you know you can spill everything to. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, those. I think that the stuff that we are talking about before of finding something else, whether that mm. for you is art, whether it's, mm. you know, something adrenaline-based or, uh, you know, I, I definitely recommend the adrenaline stuff, but if it's not your thing, there will be something else, where, yep. you know, drama or whatever, something you've wanted to yeah. do that gives you that rush. Yeah. I think balances that that vulnerability a bit yeah absolutely yeah last year I joined a theater group just to do something right out of my comfort zone and um I probably wouldn't do it again but um just because it was a heavy time commitment with it but I loved it and to do something I'd never I've yeah played music all my life an adrenaline activity in itself oh it was yeah Yeah, yeah. to get up and act like what the hell yeah um it was really cool and we we learned I just was such a great learning experience. So I'd really recommend that for sure, just to get in and do something. Actually, forgot about that. So yeah, to get in and do something out of your comfort zone, something different, push push yourself a little bit. And I can say absolutely that there's something on the other side of the rawness and that vulnerability. And I, I, the, the confidence that I thought I was getting from alcohol was doing the opposite. I think that alcohol actually mm. depletes your confidence. It oh, depletes yeah. your sense of self and all of that kind of stuff. So even though for a little while, while you're adjusting, it feels really vulnerable and really raw and these things will come up. On the other side of that is this other reward that is so fantastic, which is the higher confidence, which is the yeah. the, the greater sense of self. And that feeling of waking up knowing that you have been in control of your actions, that you, you yeah. don't feel that shame and things like that. So it actually... On the other side is a much stronger version of yourself. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and just going back to what we were saying before, when if you're starting to feel bad, or if you're starting to feel anxious or depressed, yeah. and things are coming up, even if you can't get in and see, like definitely like reach out to a therapist, one hundred percent, Lifeline, um, you know, reach out to them, um, an AA group, but just also you know not trying to hide from the feelings as well just to see if you can sit with them just for a little bit and be with them and ask kind of inquire into your body what that part of you needs so if it's needing some comfort if it's needing you know just to be held you know if you can offer that to yourself so just create that space for yourself absolutely yeah it's really important um just to Learning to sit yourself. with those discomforts is a really big skill. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it can be quite confronting. But I think just inquiring in, you know, what does it need? And just, I guess, exploring that a bit more and, and just being with it. And then hopefully finding someone that can guide you through that is definitely yeah. really important. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I just have one more question. Yeah. If you could go back to 13-year-old you and sit yeah. with little India and have a conversation with that girl what would you say to her you know that's such a difficult question because working with teenagers I know that there's probably nothing I could say to her that would (laughs) but I wish that there was I wish that I could show myself the other options in life that that I think that what I would say is there's another choice Mm. there is another choice and it does work and there is happiness in it that Mm you know regardless of what you're seeing and how it looks this isn't what everyone does there's a lot of people who don't choose alcohol and getting out of it yeah 
and there's just so many other things that you can engage in that will give you a happy, fulfilling life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. India Morris, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. You're amazing. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Bye.